If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hi, I'm Jennifer Blom, a narrator at Macmillan Audio. If you enjoyed the Relationship Doctor podcast, there's a new audiobook I think you'll love from our team. It's called Elsewhere by Alexis Shaitkin. If you like what you hear, you can find the audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold. We lived high above the rest of the world. Our town sat in the narrow aperture between mountains, the mountains forested, the forests impenetrable. A cool, damp place, ferns pushing up between rocks, moss on roofs, spiderwebs spanning the eaves, their strands beaded with water. Every day at dusk, the clouds appeared, gathering out of nothing and thickening until they covered us with their beautiful, sinister white. They settled into everything, wrapped around chimneys and hovered over streets and slid among trees in the forest. Our braids grew damp and heavy with them. If we forgot to take our washing off the line in time, it became soaked all over again. We retreated to our houses, flung open our windows and invited the clouds in. When we breathed in, they filled us, and when we breathed out, they caught us, our dreams, our memories, our secrets. We didn't know who cleared the forest and established our town, or how long ago. We could only guess at our origins by their traces, which suggested that whoever built this place had come from far away. Our streets and park and river carried names in a language we did not speak. An earthen embankment stretched along the river to protect us from floods, but this was unnecessary here. It never rained enough for a flood. We received only gentle showers of predictable duration. Our houses and shops featured steeply pitched roofs built for snow, though it didn't snow here. We had no seasons. Our climate was always temperate and pleasant. What brought them to such an isolated location? Was there a time when people lived here as they lived elsewhere? Or was this place afflicted already? And did the affliction draw them here? I find it difficult to determine when, as children, we came into an awareness of the ways our affliction set us apart. Even when we were too young to understand it, it showed up in our games and make-believe. Young boys could often be seen at the edge of the forest, huddled around piles of sticks and leaves and paper, holding stolen matches to the tinder until it caught and watching it burn. Young girls concealed themselves, crouching among the foxgloves in dooryard gardens, burying themselves under heavy quilts in their parents' beds, playing at being gone.
Anna and I played mothers constantly. We fed our dolls bits of moss and lichen and swaddled them in scraps of muslin. We crept to the edge of the skin-fruit grove and stole fruits off the ground, rubbed the red pulp on our dolls' cheeks for fevers, and healed them with our special tinctures, river water from the growlback. Our mothers were a pairing, and Anna and I had been inseparable since we were born. We lived right across from each other on Eschen, one of our town's short back streets. Our bedroom windows faced each other, and she was the first person I saw when I woke up, and the last person I saw before I went to sleep. We would stand at our windows and press our hands to the panes, and I could swear I felt her hand against mine, like we had the power to collapse the distance between us. We used to tell people we were twins, one of those obvious lies small children tell. Everyone in town knew us, knew our mothers, besides which we could not have looked less alike. Anna was the tallest girl in our year, everything about her solid. Her legs strong and quick, braids thick as climbing ropes, big, blunt eyes that stared at whatever they pleased. I was scrawny enough to wear her hand-me-downs, my braids so puny they curled outward like string beans, eyes cast up, down, away, never settling anywhere too long. My doll was Walina, and Anna's was Kitty. Such dirty things. We wiped our noses in their matted hair, we filched dried skin-fruit vines from our mother's piles and wove thorned cradles that scratched their limbs. We slipped our silver hairpins from our braids and used the sharp points to prick each other, then pressed the blood to our dolls' cloth torsos to give them pox. Once, we licked what remained of the blood off one another's skin, giggling nervously because we were doing something we shouldn't. We were supposed to keep the points of our pins clean, held fast in our braids, until we were grown and ready to prick a man's skin. Anna's blood left a hot tang in my mouth I tasted for days. Often we abandoned our dolls in the grass overnight. When we fetched them in the morning, they were soaked, heavy as real babies. They stayed damp for days. We pressed our faces to them and breathed in their thrilling stink, like the wet pelts of goats in the forest. Sometimes we lifted our shirts and pressed our nipples into their rosebud mouths, and I imagined sweet, blood-warm milk flowing from me into Walina. We cared for our dolls wretchedly, but we loved them. I wondered later whether we had sensed that our mothers would go and if this was what compelled us to treat our dolls as we did, or whether, somehow, it was our mistreatment of them that summoned the affliction to our mothers. When Anna and I were out and about in town, we tried to watch the mothers like the grown-ups watched them, and like the mothers watched each other, but we didn't really know what we were supposed to be looking for. We saw them alone and in their threes. At the op shop, we watched them try on dresses and slide gold hooks through the holes in their ears, studied them studying themselves in the mirrors. We pressed our noses to the windows of the dining room at the Alpina during afternoon tea, 
saw their hands bring the hotel's blue china teacups to their mouths, their lips move with silent gossip and speculation between sips. We lurked at the edge of the skinfruit grove when they gathered the fruits in their baskets and pulled down the spent vines. Sometimes a mother split one of the black fruits open and ate it right there, sucking out the red membrane and cracking the white teardrop seeds with her teeth. The mothers said the fruit was like nothing else. I tried to imagine it, but I couldn't. My mind doubled back on itself when it tried to think up a taste it had never tasted. We saw the mothers on their porches, snapping the thorns from the vines and weaving their baskets. We saw how they swayed with their babies in their arms, side to side like metronomes holding time for a song only they could hear. Sometimes a mother caught us staring. Anna would thrust out her tongue at her, and a feeling would come over me like the mother saw through me to everything I could not yet imagine I would do. It was Anna who taught me to eat dirt on the mornings after a mother went. We did it when everyone gathered on the lawn. There was so much happening then, with the proceedings getting underway, so it was easy to slip off unnoticed. The rest of the town was deserted on those mornings. We had it all to ourselves. We ate soil from pots of dancing lady on porch steps, we pulled grass from the playing fields at Feld Park and licked the dirt that clung to the white roots. In the forest, we coated our tongues with the dirt that hid beneath the slick black leaves on the ground. Anna never explained why we did this, and I never asked. I was always content to go along with her schemes. When I ate the dirt, I imagined a forest growing inside me every leaf on every tree the same as our forest. We were binding ourselves to this place. I understood that much. But I didn't know whether Anna saw our little habit as preventative or whether she hoped, in swallowing the earth, to make something dark take root inside her, to feed it and make it grow. Aside from mothers... The only game we played with any regularity was Stranger. We had never seen a stranger ourselves, so naturally we found them fertile ground for make-believe. The last person to stumble upon our town from elsewhere had come before we were born, and nobody ever talked about her. True, we had Mr. Phillips, but that wasn't the same. He had been our town supplier our whole lives, bringing goods to us four times a year. He came from elsewhere, but he wasn't a stranger. We played in the forest, taking turns with who got to be the stranger and who got to be herself, coming upon them. We each had our own approach to playing the stranger. I imagined them wretched and cowed. I smudged dirt on my cheeks and pulled my hair out of the tight braids my mother must have woven. I moved erratically, darting this way and that, froze like a stunned deer at every snap of a twig underfoot, as if terrified by my own presence. When Anna came upon me, I reached out to her and whispered, Help me! Help me! 
Anna's version was violent. She thrashed through the forest, eyes feral as the eyes of the goats. She bared her teeth at me and drew her hands into claws and made to scratch me, and I tried to make my mind forget that it was Anna, who I had never not known, and sometimes I got close. I saw only her wildness and the emptiness behind it, and I imagined that, having seen a stranger, I would never be the same. Thank you for listening to this clip provided to you by Macmillan Audio. To hear more, look for this title wherever audiobooks are sold. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.